Procrastinating, a term most often used by the millennial generation, is a method of putting something off, delaying, or postponing something by taking part in the act of baking. Baking, a place to talk about our baking obsession and avoid doing everything else. Coming to you from Southern California, I'm Louisa. And from Eastern North Carolina, I'm Rachel. Welcome, Rachel. Hi, Lou. How are you? What are some uh, life updates slash baking updates that you would like to share today? <laughs> well, I wanted to tell you because I think it was last time or maybe the time before we talked about like sponsors who we would fit with. And I saw then on Instagram... King Arthur Baking had his whole conversation with the fan and it was all puns. Every one, every comment. Oh, I love that. So I, I really think now that, that we would be a good fit for King Arthur Baking. <laughs> so we just have to find a way to, um, I don't know, weasel our way into like a meeting with their marketing people. Or Maybe we should send cookies or something. <laughs> Maybe we should send cookies. Yeah. Cookies never hurt. Um, that's amazing. Wow. It sounds like their social media person is probably someone you would get along with if they're responding to people's comments with puns. I puns, like that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> that could be a good job for you, I think. Right? Like not just the puns, but something with King Arthur. That would be fun. Yeah. And then be like, as a bonus, I would also like to run your social media, but I only <laughs> respond to people in puns. puns. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that should be your new... Your new life goal is to figure out how to make that work. Yes, I am going to add that to my bucket list, I think. Um, no, that's great. I think that's the dream, right? One day being sponsored by someone as amazing as King Arthur. Um, have you been baking a lot? So, yes, because we have three bakes in this episode. But other <laughs> than that, I have not made anything in the oven. But I did make a really good um, frozen Oreo. Um, which was like, um, it's your milk of choice blended with ice and hot fudge sauce, cocoa powder, um, half a banana and a handful of Oreos. That sounds really good. It was really good. You know what? And I think that's something I could even make like vegan because you said milk of choice. So, and Oreos apparently are dairy. Well, we did know they're dairy free. They're dairy free, but probably pretty good with coconut milk or oatmeal. Yeah. You hear my southern accent come out there in the Ooh, last yeah. milk. <laughs> yeah. That was sweet. You have this, you have the cutest southern accent. Um, yeah, I think I could totally make that work. That sounds delicious. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Uh, the baking has been. <laughs> we have a lot of baking for this episode. <laughs> I have two cakes sitting on my counter right now for this. Yeah, that's a good problem to have, though. Yeah, I think they're going in my freezer. We have Pilot Club next week, and we're picking up freezer mail. So I think I'm going to slice um, some cake for everybody and pull that out. Pull, I'll pull it out and slice it and give it to them when they come to pick up. That's yeah, that's great. I mean, it's good to be prepared like that. Freezer full of cake, amazing. <laughs> How about you? What have you been up to? Um. Well, I'm kind of frazzled this morning because there's a lot of activity in my home, which in some ways is good, but also I like can't focus very well. So mm -hmm. apologies to our listeners because I'm a little scatterbrained. 
because <laughs> um, my mom, my mom is here, which is great. She came to help me take care of the baby because I'm going back to work in a couple of weeks. So it's just like fun chaos in the mornings because it's like the baby needs stuff. And then my mom's like singing to her and then Raul's like running around everywhere. And then the dog is like <laughs> whining and wanting attention. And I'm just sitting here like I'm about to record you guys. So everybody do all their stuff out there in the living room. And let me be. <laughs> Um, but no, I feel similarly to you. I didn't do a whole lot of baking outside of the stuff that we were making for this episode because yeah, we had three things to make. Um, but I am looking forward to making a lot of like, like breakfast type of bakes, like things that are good with coffee because my mom, my mom always likes in Spanish, it's cafe con pan, you know, like you have a, some type of bread or cake that goes well with your coffee in the morning. And so Growing up, we like always did that. We would have our coffee and uh, some kind of morning pastry together. So some of the things that I made for this episode were were great. Like, let's have it with tea or coffee types of things. And then I think the next thing that I'm going to make that is not related to any of our podcast challenges, but it's really weird. My My school district, LA Unified, has this coffee cake that is like um, really famous. It's like nostalgic for a lot of people. And it's been around oh. since the 50s, apparently. And it's like a thing. It's like, it's served in their cafeterias and their school cafeterias. But over the years, it's become like uh, a little bit iconic, apparently. And <laughs> people will talk, people who grew up going to the schools here in LA will talk about how good it was when they were kids. And yeah, and so I thought it could be fun. There's like an, a recipe that I found floating around online. Mm. So I think I'm going to try to make it. It's like so bizarre. Like who thought that cafeteria school cafeteria coffee cake would be you know so popular but it is so i'm really intrigued and i want to i want to make it and see if it's good so that'll be perfect because my mom will be here to help me eat it in the morning yeah um and then other than that the only other thing is that i made i can't remember if i talked about it in the last episode i hope not but i made the wednesday night brownies from the midwest made cookbook no Um, i don't think so no so I'm really loving just looking through. That's the only thing I've made it from that cookbook so far. Um, Are they as good as your brownies? Oh, that's, you're so flattering. Um, I think <laughs> I think they they were pretty good. I wouldn't say they're like the best brownies I've ever had. And I do think that I've made other brownies that I've liked a little bit better. But for what it is, like something quick that you whip up, it was definitely like a crowd pleaser. My friend Molly and her husband were over so I got to give them the brownies and they really enjoyed them. They're like really like fudgy. They're all the things a brownie should be like fudgy and moist. So, yeah. So they aren't, you know, they are pretty good. I'd give them like if I'm doing a, like a star system, I'd give them 4.5 stars. So like really good, but not like the best I've ever had. You know? Yeah. 4.5 is pretty good. Yeah. Right. I think it's yeah. They're really delicious. So I'm looking forward to making other things from that book. And it's been a while, but uh, getting back into the 100 cookies. Got more things on my list. To make from yes that. i'm glad that it's spring because i want to try the basil brownies really badly oh yeah you mentioned those yeah those sound really good so yeah and i'm excited to talk about all the bajillion things we made for this episode in a little <laughs> bit <laughs> right this is a, this is a packed episode <laughs> oh i wanted to ask you the brownies were they could they have been your wind bowl recipe yes actually yeah brownies lend themselves well to those wind bowl types of recipes because yeah you're just tossing everything in so yes I guess technically I shouldn't have made something in addition to that. I already did my one. <laughs> you made more work for yourself. Wow, wow, wow. Look at me. Overachiever. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs>
our listeners know that I love to make Spice Girl references on the podcast. And in order to spice up our lives, we're going to talk a bit about one of our favorite spices, cinnamon. In this Bake in a Day, we thought it would be fun to learn more about the history of cinnamon. Can we pack in any more puns there? <laughs> Lou, do you want to share some things you've learned about cinnamon? I do. I went on a quick little research trip on the internet and I went on um, the Spruce Eats website. They had a good article about it. And then I also went on the trusty and reliable Wikipedia to get more information. (laughs) So it was super interesting to learn that cinnamon is native to Sri Lanka, which I guess was formerly called Ceylon, which explains why cinnamon from Sri Lanka is called Ceylon cinnamon. And um, in terms of how old it is it dates back to around 2000 bc and i didn't know this but apparently back in the day it was a very valuable spice to have yeah it was worth its weight in gold or ivory yes and it was used for a lot of really interesting things so i read that the ancient egyptians used it for embalming their mummies it was used in for medieval medicine, for things like sore throat and coughing, obviously used in food for flavor. It was used, I didn't know this one either, to preserve meat. I hadn't heard that either, but it makes sense. If you can preserve a human, you can preserve your, your meat. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, it said that a added benefit was that like the smell of the cinnamon could mask like any bad <laughs> smell if the meat started to go bad, which is sketchy, but yeah. Very interesting. Um, it was used in incense. And like you mentioned, because it was so valuable, almost equivalent to like gold and ivory, it was offered as a gift to monarchs and presented as gifts to, to deities and gods. And because it was so valuable, there was a lot of drama around it. So I read that Ceylon was occupied by different groups. So first the Portuguese, then the Dutch, and then the English. And each group came in wanting to dominate and establish like a monopoly on trading that spice because it was so valuable. And around early 1800s, it started to lose its value because um, other countries realized that it could be grown elsewhere. So, Mm. you know, it wasn't um, as big of a deal to just get it from Sri Lanka. So now we have the the two most common types are the Ceylon cinnamon, which is referred to as true cinnamon from Sri Lanka, and then the cassia, which is from Indonesia. And the cassia is apparently what we use most commonly here in the U.S. and in Canada. And we actually, when we did our taste testing on Instagram, we talked about this a little bit, too. And it was cassia, wasn't it, that we ended up liking the best? Yeah. And we talked about maybe because we're more used to it. Right. Which is funny. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And then I was talking to my mom and she was saying that she notices a difference between the cinnamon that they use in Honduras, where she's from, and the cinnamon that we use here for baking. She was like, the cinnamon in Honduras tastes better, like more. (laughs) They're using Ceylon cinnamon, maybe? I think so. Yeah. Because I think I read that Mexico uses more Ceylon and, you know, I'm assuming maybe like Mexico and Central America probably get a lot of the same imported things. And... This is a side note, but did you know that she went to, she told me that when she was younger, her uncle took her to a cardamom, a field where they were growing cardamom seeds or cultivating cardamom seeds. And she was like, the smell was amazing. I thought of you immediately. I was like, Rachel loves cardamom. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. I was like, Rachel would love it. And she was like, next time I go to Honduras, I'm going to bring her like cardamom seeds and real cinnamon, she said. (laughs) 
So you have that coming your way. Yeah, it'll be fantastic. So yeah, so that was really interesting to learn about. I stumbled across, and I think this is how this originally got put in here. Somehow, Mike and I stumbled across a TV special about cinnamon with, um, is his name Irvin or Irvine? Robert, Chef Robert Irvine, who does like the restaurant, goes in and helps the restaurants um, that are failing get back on their feet. Mm. Um, so, but he was doing a special on cinnamon and he talked about like the history and the wars that were fought over it. And I was like, I, I had no idea. <laughs> yes. It was very, a lot of violence, just wanting to establish control over it. So yeah, cinnamon, bit of a drama queen. And I read too, after that, that there are studies that show that carbs that are seasoned with cinnamon, they um, have less impact on your blood sugar when you eat them. Oh, interesting. So there's so some... now I'm tempted to like add cinnamon on everything I eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, what's the harm, right? I mean, I use it. We use it a lot just in every really in everything. Like when we make pancakes or crepes, my mom likes to put it uh, when we make coffee. She'll like sprinkle it on the coffee grounds before we brew yes. the coffee. But yeah, that's amazing. Like learning that there's some health benefits, though. That's, I guess, our new plan, huh? Just sprinkle it on everything. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so the thing that worries me, though, is I also saw it has been used to clot blood in emergency situations. Oh. So I'm like wondering if too much of it, like if I did do that, it would give me like blood clotting problems. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. I guess we got to find that. (laughs) In the emergency room, why does she have all these random blood clots? Like what's going on? She looks perfectly healthy otherwise. (laughs) Well, you know, I eat four tablespoons of cinnamon every meal. Um, so moderation sounds like it's key. <laughs> yes, yes. Maybe cinnamon uh, rolls, but not cinnamon everything else. Yeah. Don't want to get blood clots from <laughs> too much cinnamon. So do you have a favorite cinnamon dessert? Do I have a favorite cinnamon dessert? Well, I mean, I feel like it's so, I mean, besides cinnamon rolls. What besides, else? I know. I guess like apple. I really like because it's relatively quick to make like stovetop um, cinnamon apples. Mm. Like they have a like cracker barrel or something. Yeah. That's a good cinnamony treat. It's not too bad for you. That is a good one. I do love it on like coconut. There's like, um, there's a Puerto Rican dessert called tembleque, which is like a coconut, almost like a coconut pudding. Ooh. And you sprinkle cinnamon on top of that. And I love the way that cinnamon complements anything coconut, really. That sounds good. Yeah. There's also limber de coco, another Puerto Rican dessert it's um like coconut popsicles Mm. and i remember when my dad would make them he would sprinkle cinnamon on the bottom of the popsicle molds when you like pop it out it's like nice cinnamon coconut milk coating on the bottom oh it's so good that sounds good that sounds really good for summer yeah so yeah and then yeah we just we enjoy it a lot just in coffee and things like that so spicing up my life with cinnamon Yes, thank you for taking us back in the day. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, Wikipedia and the Spruce Seeds and a couple of other articles that I will appropriately link in our show notes. <laughs> baking is a fun way to explore the food of other countries. This season, we've been baking our way around the world without leaving our kitchens. In this episode, we travel to Hungary.
everyone should know what's coming up next. Pop trivia. Thank you, Rachel, for the woo. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I have just four questions today because I know it's a packed episode, but these are really interesting things that I learned about hungry. So, Rachel, question number one. What red spice is often associated with Hungarian cuisine? Um, Chili pepper. Not chili pepper, but... (laughs) (laughs) Paprika. Oh, paprika, yes. Hungarian paprika. Did you ever watch... um, Blues Clues. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Salt and Mrs. Pepper make paprika. That's the name of their baby. <laughs> Which Yes. And baby it's not paprika. That salt and pepper do not make paprika. So that's <laughs> it's not how it works. <laughs> misleading. But yes, you're right. Yeah. I did not know this, but a lot of, I think most paprika comes from South Hungary and they use it a lot in their, in their food. I did not know that. Yeah. I thought paprika was just like, dried bell pepper it's uh, or is it dried it's not dried some kind of dried chili pepper no that's well i don't know anymore (laughs) wait to the interwebs paprika paprika red peppers okay yeah dried and ground red peppers okay which can include chili peppers but the peppers used with paprika tend to be milder and have thinner (laughs) flesh thank you wikipedia you can cut this part out, Ralph. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that was super interesting. So, paprika is very important in Hungarian cuisine. Okay. So, question two. True or false, Hungary has coastal access? Um, true? Uh, it is false. Hungary does not have coastal access. It is considered a landlocked country, so meaning it's surrounded by land on all sides. So, from what I gather, I don't think, like, seafood is really a big part of their their cuisine. Yeah, for some reason I was picturing it on the coast, but I guess maybe Romania goes in front of it. Yeah, I know Romania is a neighboring country and can't remember what else, but um, it does not have access to the sea. Maybe Croatia. Austria. So Austria is beside it, and I thought they both maybe had coastal access, but it looks like Croatia is in front of Hungary in terms of where the beach is. Yeah, Croatia and Serbia. Interesting. Romania, Ukraine, Slovakia, and Austria. Geography is not my strong suit. <laughs> Neither is it mine. I feel like, is Mike the geography person? Yes, he probably yeah. would have gotten that. <laughs> yeah, it's not my strong suit either. You know what my strong suit is in anytime we do trivia? Is if it's like a pop culture. <laughs> 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 if it's like a stupid pop culture thing. Not Ian, I don't have itself. a strong suit. I just get lucky. <laughs> I don't know. You you know a lot about. You're a good history person. You're really good with history. Yeah, I'm decent with history. Yeah. You know, we had, when we lived in Pennsylvania, we had a Hungarian restaurant there. We only went a handful of times, but it was really good. Yeah. Um, their food, tell me if this is what you felt. It seems like it's really hearty. A lot of like meat and potatoes type yes. of things. Yes. Yeah. And like stuffed cabbage type things. Um, yeah, it sounds really, it's good like cold weather kind of food or comfort food or... Yes. Okay. So, all right. So, so far, not going very well, Rachel. I regret (laughs) to inform you, but let's see. Okay. This next one. So, um, goulash is a very famous Hungarian stew. Can you name two of the ingredients in goulash? Um, cabbage. Okay. What else? Beef. Okay. So beef, I know for sure is correct. Um, I guess cabbage could technically be correct because they said like an assortment of 
vegetables. There are like a oh, lot yeah. of vegetables you could throw in. So that's probably tomatoes, right. Maybe. Yeah. I, they mentioned um, potatoes, onions, and celery, carrots. So I'm sure if you keep going down the list, eventually you'll get to tomato. And <laughs> it doesn't have some kind of like noodle. No. So no. I saw that the noodle is like an American influence. Ah. Yeah. So traditionally does not have noodles in it. And I guess also like it's famous for being from Hungary, but they don't eat it all the time because, well, it sounds very hearty. So doesn't sound like something yeah. you're eating like at every meal. It's true of a lot of places. Like here in America, we eat all the other countries like celebration dishes. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> like our average everyday cuisine. Yeah, I think you're right. So um, that was interesting to learn that. Yeah, I've heard of goulash. I don't think I've ever had goulash though. I want to say I did, but I'm not, I'm not positive. It was so long ago. I would try it though. Like just reading the recipes, it sounds, yeah, like again, something nice to make in the fall or winter time. Yeah. Very comforting. Okay. So this last one, I think I worded this kind of funny, but true or false, naming your child can be a bit complicated in Hungary. Okay. So I have struck out and this one seems like it should be a softball. So I'm going to go with true. It is. I think it was kind of a leading. I worded it kind of <laughs> <laughs> oddly. So, yes, it is true. Um, this is so fascinating, though. Apparently, when you have a child, you have to pick a name off of like a pre-approved list. Um, oh. Yes. And if you would like to name your child something that's not on the pre-approved list, you have to um, submit an application, like a petition to request for them to allow you to to use the name that you want. Oh, that's um, interesting. Now, I, I couldn't really figure out why they do this, um, but I did read that it's probably not specific just to Hungary, that um, there are other countries that do this as well, just to kind of try to maintain control over not getting names that are too out there. Apple 24. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something really crazy. Um, yeah, that's interesting though, huh? So... I was reading, I think I read on Reddit somewhere that this guy was like, oh, I never knew this. This is why I have like eight Franks in my family or some <laughs> name like that. Using <laughs> off the list. <laughs> Just not too, too many options. All right, Rachel. So you did get, I guess, 1.5 points. <laughs> That's good. That's fine. I guess um, it would make naming your kid a little easier. Like you could tell your partner, hey, let's just pick name number 12 on the list and just be happy with it. Yeah, that's true. So maybe it makes it easier, not more complicated because you don't have like a bajillion choices. That's funny. Maybe if you're indecisive, yeah. And I guess before we go into what we made, our Hungarian-inspired desserts, um, I thought we could talk about just ingredients that popped up in our research uh, as being very commonly used in Hungarian desserts. So what stood out to me was a lot of jams, like jellies and jams and yes. like walnuts, specifically walnuts and yes, a lot of things. There were a lot of walnuts, which I'm not a fan of. Like I'll eat them, but I'd rather not. Yeah. <laughs> kind of pass over a couple things because of that. And then a lot of um, like my thing that I made was called a pastry, even though I wouldn't call it a pastry. So I think it's like the layers and the different components maybe is what makes it a pastry. So a lot of like things with layers. Yeah. Yeah. That stood out to me too. The thing I made ended up having layers too. Did you notice that they mentioned poppy seeds a lot too? I didn't yes. um, expect that. So poppy seeds. And what was interesting is that they mentioned that there were a lot of Turkish and French influences in their cuisines. And you can kind of see that, especially the French, I think 
Just some of the yes. pastries look very French inspired. And maybe the walnuts and poppy seeds, maybe that comes from Turkey. Yeah, that could be the poppy seeds probably for sure. Okay. So I want to know what you made. So I am going to butcher this, but I made Rigo Yancy. Ooh, uh, sounds nice. Like what I thought was a cake, but the recipe I used called it a pastry. So we'll call it a pastry named after a violinist. And it is sponge cake that you make on like a nine by 13 um, pan. And then you cut it in half and spread chocolate mousse on it and then top with the other cake and then pour ganache over it. That sounds delicious. It was good. I just, I don't know. I, for some reason, looking at it, like in the magazine, I expected more. And like mine looked decently enough like the magazine, but the flavor, I mean, I don't know. It was chocolatey, but it was very like one note, if that makes sense. Um, like I didn't want to keep eating it. Like I'd, once I had a bite, I was like, okay, well, that was okay. <laughs> you didn't want to keep eating the chocolate flavored dessert. Right? Oh, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. Something. So it was also time consuming. Like the, um, it had to sit in the freezer for two hours. The mousse had to sit for four hours in the fridge. So it was a lot of time, but the active time was simple, very simple. And like, cause the mousse was really just melted chocolate whipped into whipped cream. Okay. And then the ganache, you know, I just melted it in the microwave and poured it over the frozen cake. I had trouble, and I've always had trouble with this, like cutting like a frozen cake with a knife. Like I decided to use like a hot knife that you dip in water and then dry. Uh huh. By the time I dry it, it's not hot anymore. <laughs> so it's like not <laughs> like, useful. Yeah. So it um, wasn't as clean cut as I would have liked. The filling started to like squish out the sides a little bit. Um. I saw the picture in our little Google Photos file. It does look beautiful, but... Doesn't it kind of look like an ice cream sandwich? Yes, it does. <laughs> that's kind of what it reminded me of, like a chocolate ice cream sandwich. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a bummer that it didn't taste better. Do you think... Um, Could you think of like ways to tweak it, like on your own? Um, I don't know. So have you... I have been Googling around the last probably six months or so trying to figure out this mousse thing. Is mm. mousse really just whipped cream with flavoring or is there like a mousse recipe? Like, is that like a cheat mousse or is that like what mousse is? Like, like diplomat cream is like pastry cream with a cream mix into it. It's not actually a, a new thing. <laughs> That's what I thought it was just like, yeah, it's just whipped cream okay. with flavoring. But I don't, but honestly, I think maybe we talked about this. I don't really, I haven't really made mousse. No, Have I either. ever made mousse? Now I'm thinking <laughs> back my whole life. And like when I, the first few recipes I Googled, it was like, you know, make the cream and whip in your flavoring. And I was like, I thought it had like eggs in it or something. I don't know. No, I guess. Yeah. I guess it wouldn't have eggs because you're not cooking anything. Not quite a, no. Yeah. And it's not a a meringue. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Rachel, we've never made mousse. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe we Mm. had, but we didn't realize it because it's just flavored whipped cream. So I just Wikipedia. (laughs) Yeah, what does Wikipedia say? Well, we're, Wiki, does Wikipedia want to sponsor us? I probably right. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet mousses are typically made with whipped egg, white, whipped egg white, whipped cream, or both, and flavored with one or more chocolate, coffee, caramel. I bet if I would have added coffee, that probably would have helped uh, to the cake and yes. or the mousse. Yeah. That probably would have helped. Whipped egg white. That's interesting. So I guess it could have egg if you make it that way. All right. So that's our new project. We're going to make moose. We're going to learn about moose and we're going to make it. We'll add that to the list. Yeah. Gossip making um, cakes on moose. Yes. <laughs> it's funny because um, <laughs> we keep saying moose and my daughter 
My daughter has a toy called Mortimer the Moose that she loves. It's like her favorite toy. So every time you would say moose, I had to like fight my brain because I was thinking Mortimer the Moose. And I had this like stupid <laughs> song that I sing to her. It's Mortimer the Moose, Mortimer the Moose. I like made it up. Didn't and Dora I'm, also have a moose toy? Did Dora have a moose toy in Charleston? No, I can't remember. Maybe. She's had a lot of animal toys. So I'm sure moose <laughs> at some point was in there. One of them, yeah. Um, so I, it was good. I would not discourage you from making it, but I don't have an urge to make it again. Okay. It definitely looked pretty, but yeah, that's interesting that it didn't really taste as well. I had a similar experience. I think what I made, my Hungarian-inspired thing was, oh, here we go. I'm, I hope I'm saying this correctly. Jerbode? Jerbode cake? That's how I would think, too. Jerbode. And it was, we talked about the layers. So it was a layered cake with really thin layers. And the filling was apricot and walnut. And you're topping it with a chocolate glaze. And I had a similar, I think it looked really pretty. And I enjoyed having it with coffee. And it was like fun to make. It was easy and really fun to make. And ingredients, I don't usually use apricot or walnuts in anything. Mm. So it was something different. But I don't think I would make it again either. It was it was fine if you're going to have it with coffee or tea, but if you're just serving it on its own, I think it was too dry to mm. enjoy it. So yeah, I don't know that I would make it again either, but there were so many other beautiful things inspired or Hungarian inspired things that you could make that. I don't know. I almost like regretted my choice after I had finished it and then went back to see other things that I could have made. Did you see like those chimney cakes online? No. <laughs> <laughs> Those look really cool. I've had one before and I'm not sure that they like originate in Hungary, but I think they are popular there. So they're like, they're like a dough that's like spiraled together and like fried and then filled with like a cream or I had it with ice cream, which was really good. really good. Yeah. So it was like a chimney. That could be fun. Chimney cake. So no, but yeah. I saw, um, I, I just flipped past this because the name was Dumplings. The English translation was like Samlo Dumplings. And I was like, oh, I don't want to make dumplings. It's going to be like eaten right away. But when I went back and looked, it's a a trifle. (laughs) It's not actually a dumpling. Oh, interesting. Uh So, and it's, and I like raisins. So that might be a deal breaker for a lot of people, but it's like a rum raisin trifle with a chocolate sauce. Ooh. It's like sponge cake, I think. And I think there's probably walnuts in there too. They're probably, yeah, probably. Yeah. All right. So we both have like our, we have a Hungarian dessert regrets, I think. Right. And I'm down <laughs> for a trip to Hungary after this. I think. Yes. I was going to say, I, they have so many beautiful and delicious looking desserts. The food just in general, that looks really great. So going to put that on our list. Yes. recall that Louisa and I are the cleanup at the end personality types when it comes to our kitchens. In an effort to learn how to minimize the mess, we thought we would highlight some easy and cleanup friendly one bowl recipes. Lou, these are truly my favorite recipes. Um, And I had that revelation when I was making my one bowl because I was so happy. I didn't have to use a mixer. I could just use a spoon and a bowl and be done. Me too, Rachel. I don't know. It was like a Oh, this is so nice. Because I honestly, I you know, we had a lot to bake for this episode. So I had sort of forgotten about the one bowl. And just the fact that like I came up with the idea of what to make and then made it and then ate it within like a couple hours. Like it was so quick and easy. Yeah. And then I didn't have to clean up a bajillion bowls. Like 
I was like, oh, why don't I make this more often? <laughs> exactly. And, right. And so, and I mean, some things lend themselves better to like any kind of brownie recipe or like a cookie mm. for the most part, like bunt cakes, banana bread type things. Yeah. So any type of those desserts lend themselves really well to make them in just one bowl. What did you decide to make for your one bowl recipe? So I made cannoli cake, which had been trending on my Instagram. I'd seen a couple people make it, but I used the recipe from Smitten Kitchen, I think. Yeah, no, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This sounds so good. I've never even thought to make a cannoli cake. So yeah, what was in it? Um, This cake was made with ricotta and lemon zest, orange zest, mini chocolate chips, and pistachios. And it didn't call for vanilla, but I used some of the extract you sent me for Christmas, which I don't know how to say it. Um, Fiore di Silia. Oh, yeah. The Italian. Yes. Um, And it says it's a blend of citrus and vanilla with subtle flora aroma. It smells really good. So I figured it would go well with that. Um, Holy moly. (laughs) This is the cake. This really? is the cake for your mom's um, cafe campaign. This is the cake for your wedding. This is the cake for a late night snack. This Ooh. is probably the best cake I've ever had. Rachel. Oh, my <laughs> God. I wish I had some kind of like Paul Hollywood equivalent to give you. Um, it was so good. I was so surprised because it doesn't have like a frosting. I mean, it, and it's a pa- it calls itself a pancake. Okay. I don't like pancake. This yeah. is a very tender cake. It's a butter cake. I mean, a uh, milk, an oil cake instead of a butter cake. So I think that helps keep it lighter and moist so it doesn't feel like a dense pound cake. Yeah. Like if I had a bakery, I would make this cake and this cake would be like the specialty cake that we, or signature cake, I mean, that we name after the bakery because it is that good. Wow. I love hearing stuff like that. So it was like just a winner all around. It sounds yeah. delicious. It's easy. One bowl, one spoon, <laughs> mix it together, pour it in the pan. It took longer to bake than I thought. It said it was going to take 55 to 60 minutes and it took almost an hour and 10, I think. Okay. And did you end up having to, um, or wanting to tweak anything or you made it like just how the recipe. So other than adding that extract, I made it just as it said. Okay. Um, I was tempted to leave out the pistachios because I didn't want to buy them because they're expensive. And then when I bought them, I didn't want to chop them. <laughs> so I was tempted to leave them out. But I put them in and they're good. They need to be in there. They need to be in there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That wall. I want you to make me this cake. <laughs> yeah. And I could probably ship it to you because I mean, it, it's a loaf. So I think I could wrap it and ship it. Yeah. I would transport pretty well. Wow. That's exciting. It's a good day on the Procrastinating Podcast when we like we find go. something that is really amazing. Um, yeah, it was just a really good blend. Like I'm not even a big citrusy person, but it was just like the right amount of that plus the chocolate chips and the tenderness of the cake. And yeah, yeah. I, I could feel like I was eating a cannoli. Very good. Yeah. And you know what it sounds, what's interesting is that it is, I mean, it's simple because it's a one bowl, but it's all the things that are in it, it makes it sound more... Um, complicated like it's something you would get at a bakery right like yeah right yeah Yeah. it's got all those more elevated ingredients yeah Yeah, absolutely wow I love that Paul Hollywood handshake slash procrastinating handshake to you (laughs) we have to come up with our own yeah (laughs) we need something right we'll brainstorm 
yeah, listeners, if you have any idea of what our award could be, let us know. <laughs> I love that. Okay, well, I decided to make something. Do you remember how you talked about making a spice cake a little while ago? Was that yes. last episode? Yeah. I decided to make a one bowl recipe that was, of course, chai spice inspired, yes. like everything chai. <laughs> and have you ever heard of wacky cake? So I have heard of it, but I've never made one. So I decided to make a wacky cake. A wacky cake is a, a vegan cake. And I guess, I hope this is correct. I think I read that it it originated during like depression era times because it was hard to get like milk and eggs for cakes. So, and just like wacky in the sense that like the types of ingredients that you're putting in there to kind of substitute for those things are can be a little weird. But um, this was my first time making wacky cake and I had a really good, it turned out really well. So I, I took... Um, like a base recipe that I found um, it was for a chocolate cake, but I took out the cocoa powder and then just left it like a vanilla base. And I added in um, it called for water in the recipe, but I added in coconut cream instead. I'm like on a coconut kick. I don't Look know. Look at you experimenting. I know Rachel, this is so unlike me. Like, you know that I don't like veering <laughs> off of things, but I'm trying really hard and, and, you know, in honor of the Bake It Yours segments that we've been doing, like I was like, yeah. hey, there, I'm starting to get more confident with, you know, oh, I don't want to use just water. Like, let me use something else. <laughs> so, yeah. So I use coconut cream instead of water. And I made a chai spice separate from all of this um, that had cinnamon, allspice, cardamom and ginger mm. and put a couple of spoonfuls. That was also like a little scary to me. I was like, how much chai do I put in? But so I just kind of like eyeballed it, which is so unlike me as well, but all right. But it turned out really well. Um, it was like, it rose really well. I was worried it was going to be just like flat and sad looking, but it like rose really well. And the flavors of like the chai spice in there with the coconut cream is subtle. So I, I wish it had come through more, but um, mm. I think it did add some good moisture to the cake. Um I don't know. I, I, and you know, just to keep it simple, I just sprinkled a little bit of powdered sugar on top just to make it look pretty. And it was like the perfect cake to have with coffee. So my mom really loved it. Um, <laughs> my mom and Raul said it reminded them a lot of uh, carrot cake. So it kind of okay, has that yeah. similar spice base. Yeah, it was, it was really good. I was impressed. And I, you know, I think I don't, I couldn't really tell that it was a vegan cake, which I think is nice. Great. Yeah, it wasn't missing. Was it um, like a loaf cake or a sheet cake? It was a loaf cake. Well, I think originally it was a loaf cake, but I made it into a sheet cake. Gotcha. But yeah, so it's it's easy to kind of change however you want. And yeah, it was good. I would highly recommend. I want to make more wacky cakes. Like maybe that'll be my <laughs> own little side venture. Cause, um, make a wacky cake cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> Just experiment. Wacky with Lou. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it would be called. Wacky with Lou. Wacky time with Lou. Baking is always a little unpredictable. Last episode, we decided it was time to mix things up and roll the dice. Our challenge had us combining mint into a bread form, and it's time to share how this challenge went for both of us. I laughed while I said that because I remembered how shocked we were that we got mint and bread, <laughs> yes. and we were like, how are we going to make this work? But I don't know. I think both of us made it things that we liked, so. Yeah, 
I think so. Uh, yeah, when we rolled this, I was like, this is like the worst possible combination we could have gotten. But yeah, I think I think we made it work. What what did you make? So I made um a lemon mint bread and I added coconut cream to it again with the coconut. This that is just good. Coconut everything. It was really good. It looked pretty and it tasted really good. Again, another treat that's good with coffee. My mom has helped eat about half of it so far, which I find <laughs> very flattering. And um, the one thing, though, I had a if we're going back to sweet and lows, I had a bit of a low because I forgot to add the oil in the cake. Oh, no. I don't know what happened to me, Rachel. I was just going through. I don't know. And I felt so prepared. I had like my little apron on and all of my things were laid out. What is that French term when you're prepping oh, all your stuff? Class. Mise en place. Yes, I had done all that. I was like, I'm ready. And then I got to the end and I had put it in the pan to bake and it was in the oven. And then I stared at the oil on the counter and I was like, I didn't touch this at all. (laughs) And then I was just like, oh, man, I don't know how this is going to taste. It's going to be really dry. And I was but then it was weird because it smelled so good in the oven. And I was like, maybe it'll be fine. And I will say end result, it tasted good. Like I loved all the flavor combinations. Um, The lemon came through really well. It needed more coconut and needed more mint. And it could probably use the oil because it was just a tad bit dry. Um, But I would make it again. Like this is one that I would bookmark and just make the adjustments, as I said. And then I would probably try to do something with rum. I think rum could be like a nice, if not in the cake, then maybe like somehow in the glaze. I'm not sure how, but I think it could, it's possible. Yeah, so this was another one where I kind of added in coconut cream just because yeah, I, I wanted to. You're on a coconut cream cake lately. <laughs> yeah, I just, coconut's where it's at. I don't know. I guess I'm just ready for summer. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I say this was a very springy bake, so it sounds good. Yeah. And did, did the, was it mint extract or was it fresh mint in the bread? It was fresh mint um, that I, you essentially like muddle it almost like when you're making a mojito. So the smell, it was weird. Like the smell of the mint was so strong when I was, when it was in the batter, right? I was like, oh, this is going to taste yes. so good. And then it was there, but it was just more subtle than I expected. So yeah, I, I don't know if I just needed to add more than what the recipe called for, or if I should have done that plus extract to boost it. Um, so there's some tweaking to do there, but it was pretty good. If I'm going back to my star rating system that I just invented for this episode, I would give it, <laughs> I don't know. I guess maybe a 3.75. I'm getting really nitpicky. Like <laughs> not quite a four, almost a four, but not quite. So, But maybe if it had the oil, maybe it'd get the four. Maybe if it had the oil as it should have. Yeah, it could have been a four. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, what did you make? So I almost also made coconut mint bread. Um, but the recipe I was looking at was like a sandwich bread with a coconut mint swirl in the middle. And I was just worried that we wouldn't use it this week. Um, so I looked for some recipes that had strawberry in them because I have a bunch of strawberries and I ended up making a strawberry mint tea bread Ooh. and it's got Moroccan mint tea, like pour it into the egg when you're putting the egg in. Okay. Um, so that's where the mint came from, but I meant to, <laughs> no pun intended that You meant to? <laughs> I meant to add some fresh chopped mint to the sugar. You know how sometimes you like add the zest to the sugar and it like flavors it? Yeah. So I meant to do that, but I forgot. So the ba- yeah, the batter tasted really minty and fresh and the bread. And I forgot about this. I had made um, strawberry muffins, I think, last year with fresh strawberries. And I didn't like it because I didn't like the texture that the fresh strawberry takes on. Mm. 
So I remembered that when I pulled the bread out of the oven. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of gummy thing. Mm. So the bread is not bad. It's not overly sweet. So you could slice it and put some cream cheese or butter or something like that on it. I think it's acceptable. And I probably eat the whole thing <laughs> over the course of the week for breakfast. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that I would make it again with fresh strawberries. Gotcha. That's interesting that you're mentioning the gummy quality. I, I've i had that experience with um, with strawberries as well. And then I'm thinking back to like when I've used raspberries before. Did they that do the same happens. thing? Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's yeah. disappointing. Yeah. But I mean, I'm glad that you were able to make something that, well, that made sense, right? Because I think just mint and bread at first took a little bit of yeah. mental yeah. power to figure out, but... <laughs> I'm like thinking dinner rolls with mint. We did it. We did it. I think I give us both five stars for, for if nothing else, for just finding something that worked. Those two yeah. Yeah. For effort. This star system, by the way, will only be in this episode because it doesn't, it's not a real thing. So it's not something we can keep up. <laughs> it will never be referenced again. Just want everybody to know. <laughs> You know, next time we'll be dealing out wooden spoons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or whatever we come up with as our, like, award system. It's time for us to sign off. Thank you for listening to this episode of Procrastinating. We hope we've provided some food for thought for your next Procrastinating project. As always, the links and photos discussed in this episode can be found in our show notes. Procrastinate with us on Facebook and Instagram while you wait for our next episode to rise. We release new episodes first and third Fridays on your favorite platform. Tune in to the next batch of Procrastinating for another dessert and a movie segment inspired by the movie Chef, as well as another passport stamp from Iran on our Bake Around the World journey. We also will discuss dairy-free baking. Until next time, stay, stay sweet. sweet. This has been Procrastinating. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a good review. You can also subscribe to us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. You can also subscribe to our RSS feed directly from our website at ProcrastinatingPodcast.com. Also, feel free to follow us and give us your feedback on social media, on Instagram at, at ProcrastinatingPodcast, and Facebook at Facebook.com slash ProcrastinatingPodcast. If you'd like to share your procrastinating stories and photos with us, you can send an email to procrastinating at Yahoo.com. Procrastinating is hosted and created by Rachel Rhodes and Luisa Gonzalez, produced and edited by Raul Ceballos, theme music by Alex Walker. Smith and show artwork by Rob Demers. Yeah.